0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host, Brian Noonan.
1: Well, good afternoon. Welcome. Glad you're here. It is Brian Noonan in for Jeff Wagner. You just heard the big voice guy say that, but I like to repeat it uh, because some people may not know what's going on. It is the week between Christmas and New Year's, and because of that, you've got to have the uh, scorecard to tell the players. I will be in for Jeff today through Thursday, so very excited to be back. 855-616-1620 is how you and I can have a conversation, and I would love to do that either on the phone or by text. Hope you had a great Christmas. This was uh, I was on right before Christmas, and things were, you know, looking grim as far as COVID and everything else. But uh, the holiday came. Kyle, did you have a good Christmas?
2: Uh, I did. It was very relaxing, very low key.
1: And now you are in. You don't get you don't get the same vacation time as Jeff.
2: Uh no. Usually we like to take our vacations together, but uh, this time not not the case
1: walk together like at the same place you guys go to a resort somewhere exactly each other yeah yeah he takes
2: a trip to europe and i like to just tag along and hide in his suitcase
1: sure well that's how that sounds good well i'm glad you had a nice holiday it was uh it was very restful here as well very uh you know low-key without uh, you know uh, a lot of people were still trying to see their families still going to big uh, big gatherings we'll talk about that in a little bit But, uh, you know, we kept it we kept it very uh, small, just my wife, daughter and myself and the dogs. And we saw my mom briefly on Christmas Eve and we Facebooked and uh, FaceTimed and texted everybody else. So it was uh, it was very nice. But now we're here. And of course, there was a lot of worry over the weekend. Was the president going to sign the new coronavirus relief bill that had been on his desk that the Congress had been battling over for six months? Drops on the president's desk, finally, after being approved by both houses. And the president threw the monkey wrench in, saying he wanted to change it. He thought it was a disgrace. That is a quote from the president. Didn't want people to just get $600. Wanted everybody to get $2,000. Now, that sounds great, right? Everybody wants more money. But then the president let it languish for a few days. We know that on uh, the 26th, at midnight, going into the 27th, The extended unemployment went away. Now it's going to come back because the president changed his mind. He did sign the bill. This was a huge thing. He, uh, He put out a statement after he signed it, and the president said, and I quote, I am signing this bill to restore unemployment benefits, stop evictions, provide rental assistance, add money for PPP, return our airline workers back to work, add substantially more money for vaccine distribution, and much more. And that is an end quote. Uh, So the bill was also attached, as you know, to the $1.4 trillion spending measure to keep the government running through September because the government was going to shut down today, too. So it was a very tense weekend trying to figure out what the president was going to do if we were going to get this money. Well, now he has signed it. So $2.3 trillion in spending and relief packages. It went into law last night uh democrats are going to introduce a new bill today that will increase the amount of the stimulus checks from 600 to 2000 which you would think is going to be very easy right because that's what the president wants well the republicans have been blocking that in the senate so who knows are they going to back the president today this is this is going to be interesting to see the they are supposed to reconvene at two o'clock eastern time so one o'clock our time the vote is supposed to take place about an hour later it's what they're voting on, very very simply today, is a two-page amendment to what the president signed. It is, uh, it was, it's the Cash Act, the Caring for Americans with Supplemental Help Act of 2020. It was introduced by uh, Democratic R- Representative Richard Neal of Massachusetts. It's just two pages. All it does is amend the stimulus package by replacing the numbers six hundred dollars and twelve hundred dollars. With two thousand and four thousand, uh it only addresses that one issue, the one thing that the president said he was going he wanted was the extra two thousand dollars or the extra, you know, the increase from six hundred to two thousand. So what do you think is it? do you think that this is going to pass? Do you think that we're going to end up with two thousand dollars in stimulus, or do you think that we're going to stay at six hundred dollars? i'm wondering for most of us and people who are struggling with unemployment and uh, all the other things behind on their rents and their mortgage you know in, in everyday terms 600 dollars that's that's a nice chunk of change but after 9 months 600 dollars really is nothing and i know that sounds it sounds weird to say cuz if somebody you know if last year at this time somebody had walked up and handed me 600 dollars i would have been ecstatic But if you've been out of work, if you're behind on your rent, if your unemployment is barely helping you make ends meet, and you see numbers from other countries where they've been giving their people all this money, uh, and you go, oh, boy, $600, okay, thanks, I guess, but what am I going to do with it? Is it going to make any difference in your life? Now, $2,000, that might pay... You know, depending on where you live, might pay a couple months' rent. It might, uh, you know, buy groceries for a while and pay some other bills off. It might might give you just some breathing room as opposed to this. And now that the, the extended unemployment is back, people can breathe a little bit of a sigh of relief, but are we going to be able to breathe a huge sigh of relief come later this afternoon? And the other thing I want to ask you is, if the president had really wanted this two thousand dollars for everybody, the hard working Americans that he said he wanted two thousand dollars for, which I, I think is I think is wonderful. You know, I don't agree with much that the president does, but I agreed with this. My problem is why didn't you do it sooner? And if you really wanted it, is it better to just sign this bill to avoid a shutdown and to get people a little something Or, if this is what you really wanted, should you have pushed a little harder? 855-616-1620 is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I want to hear from you on 620 WTMJ.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Brian Noonan in for Jeff this week. We're talking about the $2.3 trillion coronavirus relief and uh, government funding bill that was signed by the president last night, meaning that there is, at this point, a $600 stimulus check coming to most Americans. Uh, we'll get into everything that's in the bill, but I'm wondering from you at 855-616-1620, they're saying now, listen, the Democrats are going to come in today to the House, they're going to push for that $2,000 that the president had said he wants, even though the Republicans in the Senate have been fighting that $2,000 for months, Is $600 going to make a difference in your life? And should the White House, if they really wanted that $2,000, push harder, or is it better that the bill just got signed uh, to avoid a shutdown? From the 262, since last March, I was forced out of business after 40 years. I'm 56 years old. I'm broke. I need help. I used the first stimulus to pay my house payments, uh, foreclosure, and utilities. I'm still trying to reinvent myself. I really could use that $2,000. Yeah, I you know I think the two thousand is is a is a number that can actually make a difference. Six hundred dollars most most people can't pay their rent or their mortgage with six hundred dollars. Um, it's not going to be that much of a supplement to uh, whatever unemployment they've gotten. Mike is in Illinois. Hi, Mike. Welcome to WTMJ. Good
3: afternoon.
1: So, what do you think?
3: Well, first of all, uh, answering a couple of your questions. Um, just like you said, everyone would like more money. Um, I will take the $600. Um, I received the first stimulus, you know, uh, and as everyone else did, even though I was working. So it was obviously just a boon for me as well as the 600 would be. Um, I don't think the president could do too much considering he lost the election. Republicans, I don't feel that they thought they had to really listen to him. So they really, even if he would have tried to push it. I don't think it would have fallen. On, it would have fallen
1: on deaf ears, I believe. Yeah, it's hard to say because the reports have come out that he pretty much stayed out of stayed out of the negotiations, and that everybody everybody thought that when Mnuchin and the rest of the team was making the deal, that they were speaking for the president. So I think what happened the other day when he came out with this pronouncement that he wanted the two thousand uh, threw everybody for a loop. Yeah,
3: as he's done for the last four years. But honestly, even if he was trying to push it after he lost the election, I honestly don't think that many would have listened to him either way.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Mike, I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of senators, a lot of Republicans across the country who are still listening to the president because they know he's going to wield some sort of power when he's, uh, when he's out of office. Uh, like Senator Toomey said on Sunday, why would you send $4,000 for a couple that made... Six figures that don't need it, send it to the people that are not working and need the money, not to the people that are still working and need it. Uh, need the income level. We made the income level way too high. That is from Jeff. There are some new uh, new rules in this one. That's uh, in this Cash Act and this this uh, coronavirus relief bill that are going to hopefully make it make it a little uh, tougher for businesses and things that don't really need the money to get it uh gianni is in monticello hi gianni oh yeah uh actually
3: north of montello up here in Monte oh. county well, uh, welcome.
1: uh Don,
3: what's that i said welcome montello montello hey, yeah um and well well uh, you'll be on the show all week i think when you have us yes, hey, uh, i think it's a great move uh by by the president um we haven't had a he's a great politician we haven't had a a a, pol- a smooth politician like that since uh Dick Nixon and Spiro Agnew. So, um I, I think he he calls for higher um he calls for a higher allotment to Americans, considerably higher, 2000 bucks. That's that's a, that's a lot and uh he calls for reducing the foreign aid. So, you know, he he's he's getting this right out of his playbook and I think it's, uh, you know, I'm wondering where he learned his chops, because um, I think it's a great move. And he he will go down uh, as his final couple of weeks saying that he doesn't want foreign aid to go out and he wants Americans to get uh, a substantial stimulus check. But we didn't. Everybody knew it wouldn't go through because it wouldn't pass the Senate. But,
4: you know, it, it is. He is
3: a wonderful, great politician,
1: you know. Well, it seems it's a and Gianni thank you for the call. Seems like uh, you know a well played publicity move. It's it you know, the president could go out saying, "Well, listen, I tried to get more money for the American people. I said we shouldn't be doing all this. I'm going to send a redlined uh, version of this back." Well, the redlined version really doesn't mean anything because he's already signed it. So unless the uh, unless they amend it to up the payment from six hundred to two thousand, you know. Nothing really got accomplished other than the president now can say, well, I tried. I tried to get more money, even though if you look at it, you go, well, you could have tried a long time ago. Eight five five six one six one six twenty, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about what is in this, when you can expect your stimulus checks, and I want to hear from you on the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you think that Congress will up this stimulus check that you are going to get from 600 to 2000 And if not, is 600 going to make a big difference in your life? We'll talk about all of it with you on WTMJ. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Brian Newton in for Jeff this week. He is on vacation, as he should be. It's the holidays. All right, we've been talking about this uh, coronavirus relief bill that passed uh, $2.3 trillion. The president signed it last night. Uh, there's talk that they are the Congress is going in today. The House is going to vote at three o 'clock eastern if they are going to amend this and raise the stimulus payment from six hundred to two thousand dollars per person as the President has said he wanted. We will see if that goes through uh, it doesn 't look like it because that has been one of the one of the major stumbling blocks with Republicans in the Senate uh, from the for the last six months going over this but now it 's going to be interesting to see if they will. Either stand with the president or stand against the president because if you're running for re-election somewhere down the line and the big thing is, hey, you voted against helping your constituents, that's going to be a tough road to hoe. A lot of people don't uh, don't agree. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line from the 262. We don't even have this money to spend. People are so short-sighted. They don't understand this will absolutely mess up our economy in the next five to ten years and that may be but if you're really hurting it's hard to it's hard to see the long term you know this is a, it's a short term answer if if i don't have money to pay my rent if i don't have money to feed my kids i don't care what's going to happen in 10 years i'm i want to know what's going to happen in 10 days so There's things we we just have to look at. From the 414, 600 is plenty. It goes to every member of the household. This country is going bankrupt fast. We will destroy the lives of our children and grandchildren. Uh, From the 920, those who need it should get it, but I'm receiving a pension from one of the top retirement funds in the country and don't need it. I'm more worried about the debt we are incurring as a country. How are we ever going to get out of the hole we're digging, help those who lost jobs and businesses, but don't just parcel it out to everyone? Um uh, the media keeps on saying only 600 stimulus if you have a family of 4 2400 it goes up if you have children under 17 it's not not necessarily you don't it's not for everybody in the in the family here's what you, individuals who make up to $75,000 this is all based on your 2019 taxes by the way so if you and your spouse you or your partner uh make up to 75,000 you are going to, or you're a couple that earns up to one hundred and fifty thousand. You're going to get twelve hundred dollars. Filers listed as head of household and earned one hundred twelve thousand five hundred or less are also going to get six hundred. Families will receive an additional six hundred dollars uh, for each dependent under eighteen in the household. So if you have two kids, that's another twelve hundred. Okay. Um, so if your income tax qualifies you for a larger benefit than your 2019 filing, the difference in payment can be claimed on tax returns filed next year. The program structured similarly to that of the one in uh, the spring. You're supposed to get your money maybe as soon as next week, they're saying. You don't have to sign up, as you know. Uh, if you filed taxes for 2019, your total is based on your adjusted gross income, so that's how they're going to figure out how much uh, you're going to get. Now, if you're a college student, there's been some talk about that. It depends on whether you're claimed as a dependent by your parents. If so, you're not eligible. But if you are independent of your family and have been filing tax returns, you might be eligible. But that is going to be that is going to be a little crazy because our daughter who is finally was filing well, in 18, she was still under our taxes. So in 18, she didn't get a stimulus check she didn't get one in the spring and we didn't get the 500 for her but now because she filed again independently in nineteen we'll see if she gets it now that she's out of college um, no big eligibility changes from the one in the spring so that's what you have to look forward to I want to talk to you if you have been dealing with unemployment here in Wisconsin since this started things are things have been horrible The governor has made some promises about fixing that. We're going to get into that on the other side of the news, which comes your way right now because it is 1230. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff this week. Glad to be with you. 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Governor Evers gave an extensive interview to the Journal Sentinel the other day and talked about all kinds of different things, one of them being the state's workforce agency and the problem that Wisconsinites have been having getting unemployment. One of the big things in this $2.3 trillion relief bill that the president signed last night is extending the extended unemployment benefits for people whose normal unemployment weeks have expired. It is now. It was set to end on the 26th. Now it's going to March 15th. So that is good news for the almost 14 million people in America who are on unemployment right now because of the pandemic. If you are a Wisconsinite who has been trying to get unemployment for the past nine months, I would love to hear your story because when when you hear the governor talk about this and when you read the stories. It is a nightmare. Now, Wisconsin is not alone in the amount of trouble people are having getting their unemployment. Friends of mine in Illinois, uh, some got very lucky, and they got their unemployment right away, the minute they filed. Others, it's been months and months. We see stories from all over the country where, you know, because of rules that have been put in over the years, it's been tougher and tougher, as it should be. You shouldn't just be able to waltz in, but, you know, now that so many millions of us are trying to get some unemployment benefits, these systems are overwhelmed. So, besides saying that the uh, that he is going to extend the statewide face mask mandate to help contain the spread of the virus, uh, also saying that uh, the governor saying that he will likely veto any new legislation that would place stricter rules on voting, he's considering asking state lawmakers to legalize recreational marijuana. One of the big things that the governor talked about during this interview was unemployment he says that he thinks the administration can clear by the first of january which is friday a backlog of thousands of unresolved unemployment claims they've been at the workforce agency for months uh some leading to horrible horrible decisions people having to decide what are you gonna do are you gonna pay rent are you gonna buy food what are you going to do so Wisconsin dealt, you, you know what we've been dealing with, the pandemic, the unemployment. Uh, unbelievable, the, the pandemic killing almost 5,000 Wisconsinites. Uh, now the state is trying to balance a budget with a lot less money. All of this is going on. The governor was asked if he owes an apology to the thousands of Wisconsinites who struggled for months to get the Workforce Agency to give them a resolution on their unemployment claims uh, or even answer the phone The governor, no surprise, blamed Republicans, quote, I certainly apologize that they are going through this, but to some extent it is due to the fact that claimants are not meeting some of the criteria that were set out over the years when people were trying to scale back on unemployment insurance, end quote. If you've been trying to do this, what are you running up against? Because it's got to be terrifying, frustrating, to just know, listen, I've... I've worked, I've paid in, I'm, I'm eligible, my family needs this, and yet I can't get through. And why, why do we think that it's going to be done by Friday? Well, I'll tell you what they're saying, we'll see. Over the years, this is the governor again, quote, over the years the Republicans have made it much more difficult to put many more, and put many more hoops to move through. That said, the types of delays we saw are unacceptable, and I think we're in a better place to get that done. Well, how are they in this better place, you may be wondering. How can I, you know, I've been waiting for six months. I've been waiting for nine months. I've been waiting for two months. Why should I believe that by Friday, oh, everything's going to be hunky-dory? Well, uh, in September, the secretary was fired. Caleb Frostman fired. Uh, After an audit showed the agency answered less than 1% of phone calls for help. Unacceptable. So the interim secretary, uh, Amy Pesachek, has, and I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that name, has contracted with Google to help clear the backlog. Uh, There's claims of about 20,000 people left, which is down from nearly 100,000 a few months ago. So they've still got 20,000 claims to get done by Friday. I don't know. The progress is emerging after more than six months of almost no movement in that number, according to this uh, story in the journal Sentinel. So what does this mean to you? Have you been struggling? From the 414, I applied for uh, unemployment back in October and have yet to receive any payment. I got a new job since, just three weeks ago, but I would still like uh, the help that is owed to me from my filings. Once I get it, it'll be only uh, the regular weekly amounts. Back in October, November, there was no bonus money. It's not much is the new stimulus retroactive for the $300 my account shows I'm eligible but it still says I'm pending. I don't think I don't think the extended money uh if you were unless you had unless you had used all your weeks. If your normal state benefits had expired, that's when the supplemental 300 went into effect. So I don't think you're going to be able to go back uh retroactively. Um Explain to me how the Republicans had anything to do with the dysfunction of the Wisconsin government giving out unemployment checks that lands on the governor, and nobody else. I'm just I'm just reiterating what the governor said. I am not I am not agreeing with him. I'm just telling you what the governor said. He is the one who uh, is saying that the Republicans in the past had made things more difficult, and so that's why uh, people were having trouble. Uh, that's you know that is open for debate. The point the point is it does fall on that agency when. Back in September, when they audited, and you are only answering one percent of the phone calls, that is not acceptable. If you don't have the personnel to staff that office, once you saw this was coming, and by September you knew this had been coming for six months, you got to you got to get in there and fix it. Now, it seems like this uh, partnership with Google may be working. I do want to hear from you again. Tell us tell us your unemployment horror stories, 855 616 We'll get uh, to more of you and a little more of this on the other side. It's WTMJ.
0: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Brian Noonan in for Jeff. We are talking about the governor's statement that... Uh, we need to uh, we need to get this unemployment fixed. He's he's blaming the Republican legislature for that. Uh, some callers have agreed with him on the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Mark says uh, it's absurd to blame the Democratic governor for restrictions put in place by Republicans. Hopefully, uh, the Google partnership helps to clear up this mess. And uh, as I mentioned before, the Google partnership is working to to some extent. They are uh, there's twenty thousand people left. That's down from nearly 100,000 claims, which uh, just a few months ago took those six months to get any sort of movement. Now, uh, the, uh, the partnership with Google is going to stay, even though the governor is saying that he expects the backlog of unemployment claims to be taken care of by Friday the google partnership is going to stay in effect until lawmakers approve funding for a new unemployment system uh, to quote the governor the governor rather that just gets us to a point we have to continue to use the system we are stuck with for some time i'm wondering if you've been stuck in that system because this is you know again back in now now for some perspective we always say boy there's a lot more unemployment claims there's the system is overwhelmed um at its peak, the state workforce agency received 321,000 weekly claims. Now, during the Great Recession of 2008, the peak was 194,000. So you're seeing a huge, huge increase. So you can understand, okay, they're going to be overwhelmed at first if they don't see this coming. But six months is a long time to wait. The, the, You've got to get on this. Uh, From the 414, I applied the Monday after Thanksgiving, got an email, got a mail response on Wednesday. So only two days, uh, yeah, two days later, uh, you need to be computer literate to apply. Okay, I don't, uh, usually, it is very, if you've never done it before, if you've never had to file for unemployment before, it is a little bit daunting. You just really need to take your time. Uh, Juan in West Dallas. I, I filed for unemployment in April. I didn't get a payment until August. I had to personally reach out to my state senator and assemblyman to get my case expedited. Absolutely disgraceful of a job on DWD's part. And I've heard that story before from, uh, from other people who are saying, listen, we, we had to really we had to g- go through all kinds of extraordinary measures. It should not uh, It should not be that difficult to get the to get the money that you need and yet it is so i don't, I don't know do you think do you think it's all going to get done by twenty thousand claims left Do you think it's getting done by friday i doubt it uh... i appreciate the effort i appreciate them saying that but of course they're going to say it as people uh... people are getting more and more desperate to get a little bit to get a little bit of money uh... one more political thing as we're you know and then we'll kind of switch gears uh, well who knows? You know the president has been issuing tons and tons of pardons. Every president does. It's part of the, it's part of the Constitution. The presidents have the right to grant pardons. But a couple of uh, GOP senators and a lot of people in the public are starting to wonder if the current president is overstepping a little bit, which is nothing new with you know people have been wondering if the, the current president is overstepping things. Uh, forever. Quickly, uh, back to the unemployment from Renee. The unemployment division is absolutely ridiculous. My first time in my life I had to apply and it took months upon months. There is no reason for that. I agree, Renee. I agree. So a GOP senator, Patrick Toomey from Pennsylvania, said Sunday that President Trump's pardons for Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, and other loyalists convicted of various crimes were legal and constitutional, but, quote, a misuse of power. Hmm. What do you think about that? He was on Fox News Sunday. He said that he disagreed with uh, Trump's use of a pardon in some cases. Now, he said in the case of Michael Flynn, he thought that was fine. It was a legitimate pardon because the prosecution was an abuse of power. He said, quote, I don't think Michael Flynn ever committed a crime. But he went on in some other cases. I mean, my goodness. We have a tax fraud, bank fraud, witness tampering, obstruction of justice. But because they were close to the president, they got pardoned, the senator asked. Uh, It is legal, it is constitutional, but I think it is a misuse of power. What do you think of that? Now, granted, we, we know that every president, Republican and Democrat, on the way out has issued a lot of pardons usually, therefore, crimes that people, nonviolent crimes that people have served a lot of time for, Uh, these seemed much more politically based than pardons I remember in recent history. And if we don't, if if the guidelines aren't spelled out so specifically, well, the president can do whatever he wants. I tend to agree with uh, Senator Toomey that these are It is a misuse, you know, but what do you, what do you think? 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Explain to me how the Republicans had anything to do with the dysfunction of the Wisconsin government giving out unemployment checks uh, that lands on the governor. Yeah, I, that would, I was using the governor's words. I was using the governor's words. Uh, He said, you know quote again i'm quoting the governor over the years the republicans have made it much more difficult and put many more hoops to move through that said the types of delays we saw are unacceptable and i think we're in a better place to get it done uh he said i certainly apologize that they're going through this but to some extent it is due to the fact that claimants are not meeting some of the criteria that were set out over the years when people were trying to scale back on unemployment insurance again that is the governor you would have to ask the governor what he meant you know I'm not, you know, I don't know all the machinations of years and years of trying to change unemployment benefits. But that's what the governor's saying. Either way, it falls on that department and it falls on the administration to get those checks out. You know, if if these are the rules, if these are the guidelines, you have to be ready to take care of that. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about the pardons. Do you think this is a law that needs to be changed? Should the president, every president, have this unlimited pardoning power? Or does what's happening now with the current president show that, you know what, maybe we need to look at this and change it up a little bit? 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We'll hear from you next on WTMJ. Are talking about the statement that uh, GOP Senator Pat Toomey from Pennsylvania made yesterday on Fox News Sunday, saying that, uh, quote, he believes that. Uh, the pardons that the President has been giving out are quote legal; it is constitutional, but I think it is a misuse of power. Do you agree? This is something that has been debated since the Constitution was written uh, in seventeen eighty eight George Mason on the uh, on the floor of the Virginia ratifying Convention was troubled by what he thought was the convention's failure to understand that the president of the United States might not always be someone of sound character and high intelligence. There would rarely, if ever, he reminded the delegates, be a commander-in-chief with the courage and rectitude displayed by George Washington. He said, uh, arguing that the president, quote, "...ought not have the power of pardoning because he may frequently pardon crimes which were advised by himself. It may happen at some future day that he will establish a monarchy and destroy the republic. If he has the power of granting pardons before indictment or conviction, he may not stop inquiry and prevent detection." The case of treason ought at least to be expected. This is a weighty objection with me. Those are the words, again, of George Mason in 1788 at the Virginia Ratifying Convention. And now we've got current senators saying the same thing. After the president has pardoned uh, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, uh, Trump-friendly congressman Duncan Hunter, Steve Stockman, uh, Chris Collins, Jared Kushner's father, uh, again, just to remind you, Paul Manafort convicted of eight felonies in 2018, including tax and bank fraud. Roger Stone convicted of seven felonies in 2019, including witness tampering. What do you think? Is it an abuse of power or and needs to be changed, or is the president, you know, he's well within his rights? Um, let's see. Chris is in uh, Huntersford. Hi, Chris. I got to get better glasses to read the screen. Hi, Chris. Hi. Hi.
5: Yeah, I definitely think it's an abuse of power. And when you just brought that up, I, I got to believe there's got to be some they may have to rewrite that law. I mean, to, there's one thing, you know, pardoning someone who you think has been, uh, whatever, you know, maligned or misjudged or whatever, but to, to, uh, to pardon people who have been uh, part of Defending in, in, de- defending you, you know, involved in crimes that you were accused of. I mean, that's an abuse of power, if you ask me. And I don't know how people can keep defending the things that this president does. And I know good yeah, people that defend that defend him, and, and would never. You know, I always think if any Democrat would do anything that that Trump has done, people would be screaming and saying it's ridiculous. But they'll somehow rationalize what Trump does. And I'm well, a votes Republican almost all the time, except for Trump. And
1: you there, know? Chris, thank you for the call. There are a lot of people who are saying, "Listen, what's what's the difference now? All these presidents have had questionable uh, pardons. We uh, we all know that, but I think I think uh, to give them this blanket power is it, it's a mistake. Uh, I have always, from the nine two zero, I have always thought the uh, pardon power is an abuse of power. Completely overrides the old saying, uh, "No one person is above the law." The people he's pardoning now uh, are drawing headlines, but just wait until he inevitably pardons his family uh, or even quite possibly himself. I, here's what I don't get. Pardoning people of uh, things that they haven't even been convicted or charged with. That, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. All right, on the other side of the news, what are you doing for New Year's Eve? Uh, Milwaukee officials are very nervous about it. We'll talk about it after the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ
0: don't go anywhere jeff wagner is back right after this
5: are you ready to start a meaningful career the wisconsin department of health services has options to fast track caring individuals into the healthcare care field accelerated training will help you
0: live from the annex wealth management studios at historic radio city this is the jeff wagner show and now in for jeff wagner here is your host brian noonan
1: So Thursday is New Year's Eve. Oh, my goodness. What are your plans? Are you going to be partying? Are you going to rip it up? Well, most of us hopefully are not because we are going to listen to health officials. Now, I know the health officials have been telling us to do all sorts of things that people are ignoring. So I want to know 855-616-1620. Are you going to be a good boy or girl and stay home? Or are you going to just roll the dice to hell with the health officials and you're going out? And the reason I think more of us will probably do the latter, unfortunately, is because according to the TSA, numbers for people traveling over Christmas are up unbelievable. Now, not up to last year's numbers, but up from what they should be and up from what they were at Thanksgiving. Uh... The TSA says it screened 1,128,773 people at airports on Saturday, which is another sign to them that the traveling public is not staying home despite warnings from health officials. At this point, I think the health officials' warnings are just, we've heard them. It's like when you were a kid and your parents kept hammering on you to do, you know, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room, clean your room. After a while, you're not listening. Now, Unlike your parents, who could then ground you or punish you or however they are deemed fit, the health officials really can't. So a majority or a a lot of people, I won't say the majority, a lot of people have decided they're not going to listen anymore. I've heard it before. Uh, This isn't going to get me. I'm going to do what I want because I have to have have Christmas with my family. I have to travel. And listen, this is an argument that's going on uh, not only with the public at large, it's happening in families. I know for myself, I have four brothers. Three of them traveled for Christmas. Uh, one got home right before Christmas, one left a couple days before Christmas, and another one is leaving tomorrow. So, you know, while I while I am haranguing people to stay home and wait and stay distant and wear their masks, and blah, 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 people in my own family are doing what they want. So, you know, who knows? But the new number uh, that over 1 million people is close to wednesday's pandemic record when nearly 1.2 million people flew it represents the third busiest day of u.s air travel since it cratered in march when this all started saturday's tf tsa traffic was only about 45 percent of the day after christmas last year but it sure shows that people are really really traveling it's Uh, Air travel spiked over the past six weeks. The previous pandemic record before Wednesday was set the Sunday after Thanksgiving. The increase in travel is stoking new fears from public health experts that there will be another spike in infection similar to the spike recorded after Thanksgiving, which is true. I, I believe it to be true. The uptick also comes as executives from several airlines look to bring back thousands of workers who were furloughed in the fall because of the depressed travel numbers. So. That's that's the big picture. That's nationwide, all these people are traveling. Wisconsin is a microcosm of that. People are going all over, and Milwaukee officials are very, very nervous about what is going to happen. Uh, some text rolling in at 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talking Text line. I want to hear what you plan on doing, and if you are just tired of hearing from the health experts, You know what they're telling you. You are deciding either to follow it or flaunt it. You don't know. Jeff from Fox Point. Hi, Brian. My New Year's Eve will likely consist of watching one of my favorite bands, dot, 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 on a Blu-ray in my apartment. Very good. So Jeff's staying home, staying socially distant. From the 414, uh, we are having a large party. Everyone assumes the risk. Everyone is over it. We aren't living in fear. See, that that's, that statement, and this is not, you know, you do what you want. But that, that old trope, living in fear, is, I think, lazy and erroneous. Uh, you're not living in fear if you choose to protect yourself and others. You are being cautious. There is a big difference. Living in fear is just a lazy, politically motivated term to try to shame people who are listening to the health experts into feeling bad about themselves my mom's eighty-year-old best friend tried to use that on my mom too now my mom does not live in fear she goes to the store she you know does what she has to do she's eighty three but she also doesn't go to big parties she doesn't go out to dinner in at this point it's not living in fear it's weighing your options it's weighing the science and the evidence and saying listen I choose not to put myself at this risk. So, you know, you can uh, you can do what you do what you want, but that's it. Uh, somebody taking issue with my use of the term "a good boy or girl." Uh, we were given the same song and dance Thanksgiving in Wisconsin's numbers went from twenty two hundred hospitalized to over fifteen hundred. Where was the surge across the country? The officials are guessing, and about as accurate as predicting the weather. Um, No, I am not drinking the Kool-Aid. I have a number of friends and family members who have gotten sick, so it is out there. Um, Some have been more serious. Thank God no one in my immediate circle has died, but we know that there's 300,000 people who weren't that lucky. So a lot of texts coming in against the health professionals. Uh, (laughs) And, uh, you know, they're just sick of the health professionals saying one thing, Today in reversing course a week later, no idea what to believe anymore. And that is it is that is frustrating. I'm going to give you that, 262. I agree with you. It is frustrating. But what I think we need to try to remember is that we haven't dealt with this virus before. So things do change. Uh, another one from the 262. I'm technically at high risk, but fortunately so far I've stayed safe and healthy. So I'll be staying home this year, whereas often I'd be in New York City or Pasadena for New Year's. Uh, good afternoon My husband and I will still go out We've been going out all along Most people don't care A lot of people don't care That is true uh, From the 414 Brian will be staying home Watch movies on TCM uh, We'll probably be asleep by 8 anyway LOL Alright, what are your plans? Are you go- And I'll tell you what the Milwaukee officials are worried about We'll get to all of that You can weigh in 855 616 I want to hear from you on WTMJ
4: Welcome
6: back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff this week. Milwaukee officials are uneasy about New Year's Eve, but what about you? 855-616-1620. What are your plans? Are you staying home? Are you listening to health professionals or are you having a party? Are you going out? Are you uh, changing any behavior at all? Uh, Milwaukee's current order aimed at curbing the spread does not limit the hours that bars and restaurants can be open, so they are worried about people staying out all night. It focuses on mitigation measures. Uh, If you don't know, I will remind you the uh, current order includes stricter rules that ease two weeks after New Year's. It limits bars and restaurants with health department-approved COVID-19 safety plans to the lesser of 50% of their total capacity or the limits in their safety plans, and if a business does not have safety plans, it's 25%. Uh, They are saying, according to the interim health commissioner, we are overall concerned about any celebrations where anyone is outside of their home. Uh, She and other city officials are urging residents to stay home. As of Tuesday afternoon's update, uh, this was uh, the other day, the city was approaching a total of fifty three thousand cases since March first and has seen four hundred and sixty five deaths now uh, you know that they'll be doing spot checks. The police are going to uh, going to help, but they're going into businesses based on complaints they're not uh, they're not just going to be dropping in randomly, but if there is a if there is a complaint, then the police will get involved and go with the people from the health department, to check on those complaints. And I know, listen, I know sitting here that I'm not changing anybody's mind. You've, you've decided if you are a person who is going to risk going out and uh, risk getting not only yourself sick, which, okay, most of us are in a position where if we get sick, we're going to be okay. But then the chances of getting somebody else sick, and that's fine. I'm just wondering what what's going on, and we're trying to get a little a little pulse of what people are doing. So on the text line uh, from the four one four, if people don't trust the healthcare professionals, then hopefully when they get sick, they won't go to any healthcare professionals and spread it uh, more when they're at the doctors. Marcus is on the north side. Hi, Marcus. Welcome to WTMJ.
4: Hey, how are you doing today?
1: I am well, thanks.
4: Hey, my, my, my thing is this. What I've been doing, and I'm 51, so uh, what I've been doing the last 10 years is this. First of all, given the COVID and especially what's going to be out there this New Year's Eve, and you have a long weekend, my point is this. The, the thing that, that that's safe, I'm just giving advice. People are going to do what they're going to do. But I typically go out with the better app between 4 and 6. We'll have cocktails and have dinner, or I'll have something made at home. And then call it a night, watch movies. And because it's a long weekend, because remember, uh, New Year's Day is Friday, so right. why not live another day? But I always, for what I've done, which has been safe, is just I go out early. It's light, plenty of light out. You have your cocktails, do what you do, and have your dinner, and go home, relax. Hey, you can celebrate Friday, Saturday, you've got the whole weekend to party, but at this point to actually be out on new year's eve and it's cold and and you're out at night and you and you got a mask on you are trying to say happy new year i think it's not a good recipe this year for success that's my opinion yeah.
1: thanks and, and marcus i agree with you thank you for the call it's one of those things where we're we're, we're all thinking this well there's next year and i believe that I, you know i worry i worry with some elderly people you know uh during the holidays, well, what if it is their last one? There will be other New Year's Eves. Uh, I always, my dad always said, and I always believe this, that uh, New Year's Eve is basically amateur night anyway. Everybody wants to go out and party. And for years and years, uh, when I was on the road, I was, as a stand up, I was what people did on New Year's Eve. They came to the show. So once I was uh, not doing that as much, I realized, man, I just, it doesn't, doesn't make any sense to go out to a big thing. You know, maybe we'll have, a you know, in years past, a couple friends over to the house. This year we're not. This year it's just going to be us. Um, Note that, uh, let's see, we'll get to some more of your texts. Let's take a quick break. We'll get to some more of your texts because there's a lot coming in on this, what you're planning on doing uh, for New Year's Eve because Milwaukee officials, very uneasy about what's going to happen. People are uh, going, they're traveling, they're doing Basically, disregarding what the health officials are saying for whatever reason. So, I'm just trying to figure out where we stand here uh, in Milwaukee and in Wisconsin and what's going to happen Thursday night. 855 616 1620. Join the conversation on WTMJ.
0: Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Lots of responses to uh, what you're doing on New Year's Eve. Milwaukee officials coming out saying they're really worried that people are going to stay out all night, they're not going to social distance, they're uh that businesses may or may not adhere to the uh the current order that's going on out there. Police saying they're not just going to drop into businesses, but if there are complaints they will accompany health department uh people to these businesses to check things out. 855-616-1620, the Academic Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Uh, let's get to some of these texts because it's all over the board. From the 414, I guess I do live in fear, the fear of giving my elderly mom the virus, stay home, there is always next year. Uh, 180 degrees from that, from the 262, we have not changed anything from Thanksgiving to Christmas or New Year's Eve. We're having a party with a bunch of good friends over, and we are going to ring in the New Year happily. Uh, I like this idea from the seven one five My husband and I are going to sit outside by the fire pit and burn negative things associated with twenty twenty I like that i, I you know i 've got the fire pit maybe we 'll do that too burn some uh, burn some things it 's like uh, that old uh, that old thing when you when you break up with somebody you burn all their letters and pictures so maybe we break up with twenty twenty from the two six two Note that health and science and understanding thereof evolve, so it 's only to be expected that the advice of qualified experts also changes and evolves that 's not inconsistent waffling it's prudent enlightenment yes that's what I said before this is a virus we have not dealt with before, so we need to be able we need to be able to change from the four one four we 're staying home with a wonderful meal, likely a movie and a zoom trivial pursuit game with our adult kids, not perfect but lovely nonetheless. Happy twenty twenty one to everyone and back uh, back to you uh good evening we rented a sh- or good afternoon rather we have rented a chalet at south uh, South Shore Terrace beer garden going with another couple our neighbors all right that sounds like fun uh, and a small group. We actually had to postpone our Christmas with the kids until new year 's thanks to two of them being in quarantine, so that will be our christmas and new year 's party that's from the two six two Another one from the 414, staying home and celebrating with a small group like I do every year that has nothing to do with COVID, everything to do with impaired drivers that will be out there. Yeah, see, this is, that's another thing. I, I have no desire to be out and pay exorbitant prices for some package, and I know this makes me sound like a really cranky old man, and Kyle's probably like, man, I wish I could go tear it up. Are you going out, Kyle? Is that uh, what you're up to? Kyle's very busy on the phone. Uh, going to John from Eden to help finish his bottle of wild turkey from Thanksgiving. All right. That sounds fun. Uh, hi, from the 608. We're staying in. I was a bartender for many years. COVID or not, I always felt New Year's Eve is amateur night, and you are safer at home. Thank you for filling in for Jeff. Great topics. Oh, I appreciate that. Thanks very much. It's my pleasure to be here. Uh, even without COVID, this is from Richard in Watertown. Not t- safe to be out. I'll be doing a small house party with my close friends from the 414. We usually go out to the bar, but the bars are a joke these days. I'm cooking appetizers, and we're going to play our new PlayStation 5. Oh, very good. Uh, Jeff from Fox Point. Yes, it's amateur night. I've been happier in recent years staying in. Um, so who says anything will change next year? That's uh, Deb. Well, hopefully, I mean, if, if the vaccines are getting rolled out, I think things will change once we get... Once we get the majority of the citizenry vaccinated, then I think we're in good shape. I've We started years ago, like I said, we don't we don't go out on New Year's Eve. My wife, I've asked her, do you want to go to a party? Because every once in a while, you know, you're home on New Year's Eve and you're watching the coverage and you see people pretending to be happy, or maybe they are happy. They're all jammed into some banquet room. You know, like, oh, maybe we should go to some of these parties. But quite frankly, uh, my wife's usually asleep by 10. Uh, I'm the only one awake at midnight. And uh, so we have a nice dinner, and then we, uh, then we just watch some uh, watch some movies, watch some TV. This year, our daughter will be here. Uh, we'll play some games. So it'll be nice and quiet. Now, would I like to have, have a, had a couple friends over? Sure, but you know, we'll do that. We'll do that in a couple months. Uh, let's see, Dana, we got about uh, we got just a couple minutes. What are you or just a minute? What are you doing?
5: Well, unfortunately, nothing. Um... I'm a musician. Now, I'm 48 years old. I haven't had a New Year's Eve op since I was 11. Wow. And now, now, see, New Year's Eve is always the biggest money-making gig of oh, the sure. year for any yeah. any band. Now, I am completely out that before, when, when the virus started and everything and, and everybody, you know, cut like the bars down to 50% capacity and so on, I was still able to work. It wasn't that bad. But, the the nail the last nail in the coffin was pretty much when uh, Mayor Barrett decided to say no dancing allowed,
1: right? Just and, like Footloose, we're not going to dance. Yeah, I, and she. There's no dancing, Daddy. Think. Come on, no dancing, uh, Daddy. I got to get to the news. Thanks for the call. Enjoy your first New Year's Eve off. You might uh, you might grow to like it. You won't you won't like not having the cash but uh, you might enjoy relaxing a little bit. I appreciate the call. Uh, it, on the other side, I saw something very disturbing on my walk yesterday afternoon, uh, and I want to see if you find it as disturbing as well, or if you just think, yeah, this is perfectly normal.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Jeff is out this week. Brian Noonan in for Jeff through Thursday. Happy to be here. 855-616-1620, the AccuNet Mortgage Talk at Tax Line. Kyle, do you still have your Christmas decorations up?
2: Uh, Yeah, actually, you know, we Kaylee and I were planning on doing it um, yesterday, but then we got so lazy and we just didn't do anything. We took all the ornaments off the tree, but the lights Ooh. are still on it. The, the decorations are still around the house. We only got as far as the ornaments
1: yesterday. <laughs> so you were going to take everything down on the 27th? Uh,
2: Yeah, yeah, we had all of Sunday, and we figured, you know, why not get started? It sounds like we're going to have everything down by Friday. Um, oh. And packed away, but uh, yeah, initially the plan was yesterday, but just didn't really get around to it because we were feeling lazy.
1: See, and the reason I ask is on the 26th and the 27th, but the 26th uh, really got me. I was out walking the dogs, and I saw a couple houses already had their Christmas trees out by the curb, and I was I thought it's it's only the middle of the afternoon, the day after Christmas. Why are you in such a hurry? To get rid of christmas is it and i don't know if this is just this year or if this is do you you usually take them down this early
2: uh yeah usually by by new year's we have it down and everything packed away um but certainly not the day after i although i think i can identify with anybody just trying to move on from anything that has happened this year
1: see and i don't get the christmas part because i I always hesitate putting stuff up just because of of all the work. But once it's up, I want to leave it up for a while. And we usually leave ours up until Little Christmas, the epiphany. So, you know, the 12 days of Christmas start on Christmas, and it goes for another couple weeks. So that's when I'll I'll take mine down. And if I could leave stuff up, I mean, I guess theoretically I could if I wanted to look like a lunatic. I could leave my stuff up all year. But I don't know if this is a, a thing where people just are so tired of this year in particular... Or if they've had just a really lousy Christmas and they want to get it over with. But the thought of getting up the, on the 26th or the 27th and then taking everything down and pretending like it never happened always seemed a little a little odd to me. And I've seen now, yesterday I was out walking again. I saw more trees out at the curb. So I wonder, when do you take your stuff down? Is it is it the, you just want to get uh, your house back to normal? You want to clean up any mess? Uh... What's the reason? What is the reason for taking your decorations down so fast, or do you leave them up for an inordinate amount of time? Where at some point somebody goes, listen, it's almost Valentine's Day; it's probably time for you to take down the uh, take down the tree, pal. And I guess maybe if you have a real tree, you're looking at you know a shorter time that you can leave it up. But if you've got an artificial tree, which we do, uh. I don't see I don't see the rush uh why do people not ce- from the 262 why do people not celebrate the entire season it goes to the epiphany that's right we always go little Christmas like I said but that's that's because uh you know I love it from the 920 I know a family who has everything put away the day after see and I don't want to do anything the day after Christmas the 26 has always been my favorite day Because you don't have to do anything. When I was a kid, and you know this, you know, Christmas you're either going somewhere or there's a lot going on in your house. But on the 26th, you don't have to do anything. So I always loved the the thought of getting up on the 26th and having to do all that work, tearing stuff down. Oh, my goodness. Um, From the 920, we do it after New Year's. From the 414, they may not have a water container for the base of the tree. Yeah, but if they've had the tree up this long, when <laughs> they put it up the night before, put it up on Christmas Eve, and then take it down the day after, I don't think there's a stand that doesn't uh, that doesn't have a place for your water. Uh, we do it New Year's Eve from the four one four twelve days of Christmas, January sixth for us. James says it's crazy. Leave the Christmas stuff through January. What a waste. Thanks. Yeah, I miss listen. I want to leave it up as much as possible. Not that my, you know, not that the house looks boring the rest of the year, but there's just there's just something festive. I also like just sitting down in the family room with just the tree lit up at night. There's I, I enjoy it. That's you know again, it's just me. Uh, from the four one four, always leave it up at least through Three Kings Day to keep the real meaning of Christmas. Enjoy the beautiful lights, etc. As long as possible. Uh, from the four one four, Christmas decorations come down on New Year's Eve. Bad luck to bring in the new year with an old tree. Oh, I've never heard that. I've heard a lot of other uh, superstitions and uh, you know projections for what is what is bad luck. But I've never heard that that it's bad luck to. Br- have you ever heard that Kyle? That it's bad luck to have the tree up on New Year's Day?
2: No, I've never heard that. But um, I always do the thing uh, where you burn it. Um, on, like, ooh. the 4th of July or something. Do you ever do any of that in the in the summer? Like, do you? I know you no. said you have a fake one, but, you know, you, see, that was something that my parents always enjoyed. Uh, I mean, it's dangerous. You definitely need to know what you're doing because at that point, you know, the, it's it's timber, so it'll light up sure. super quick. Uh, and it does eventually just become this huge fireball, depending on the size of, of your tree. But, um, yeah, that was always one of the big exciting things for us in the summer. It's like, ooh, we get to burn
1: the Christmas tree today. Oh, now see that sounds fun. That's something to look forward to.
2: Yeah, it's de- I, I like that. It is kind of fun and it is uh I mean we my parents uh, since then I mean we haven't done it in probably 2 or 3 years cuz they got a, a a very nice artificial tree now. Um, but that was always the one thing where it was like okay, we're going to burn the tree today and it's <laughs> and, but again, you, you really you really got to know what you're doing cuz if you just light it up and you're around anything that can be lit on fire, it will it's light cool. up as well. Yeah.
1: I see you just crouched down as a little kid, rubbing your hands together. We're burning the tree. We're burning the tree. We're burning the tree. Fire! Fire! Fire!
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, I was a I was a little firebug when I was a kid.
1: <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I, that, that's that's uh, now. See, I would I could get behind that. And listen, even if you took it down a few weeks into into January, you still have a time for it to dry out. Uh, a couple more texts. We take ours down Christmas Day. We have a fireplace, and it's for safety. Um, Up the day after Thanksgiving, down yesterday, a full month from the 262. We keep our trees up and our lights outside until after the Super Bowl. Wow, there you go. Uh, James says, just trying to get through the winter. Leave up as long as possible. Yeah, I think this year it's nice to have a little... uh, That's why people, I think, were decorating early, too, because they were able to uh, bring a little enjoyment. You can keep texting in your answers. uh, We're going to take a quick break, and then Jennifer Aniston is in big trouble. Could it be much ado about nothing? Yeah, probably. We'll talk about it on WTMJ.
4: Welcome
6: back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. A
1: lot of responses still coming in to uh, when people are taking down their Christmas decorations. I was just shocked as I walked around the last couple of days seeing trees out, but, Kyle, you'll be happy to know there's a number of people who are backing you up saying, oh yeah, we love to burn our tree in June or July they would uh, save them up, I guess and then just have the huge bonfire so,
2: very nice yeah, that's interesting I, 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 when I tell people about it they do sort of marvel at the idea of lighting it up but I've never really seen anybody else do it or videos of people do it. I know people do it but, um, yeah, I've never really run into anybody else that has this uh, kind of weird tradition that my family has
1: well, you are not alone, which is, a, you know, it's nice going through life knowing you're not alone, even though I think even if you were alone, that would still be fun. Uh, let's uh, get a couple more of these. Always leave up at least through Three Kings Day. We did that one. Just trying uh, to get through. Yes, we burn ours usually June or July. We leave our tree till packer season is done. Okay. That may be into into February. Good for you. I agree with you. Love having the tree lights on. We have a real tree that still looks great, and it's been up since the day after Thanksgiving. It'll be up till New Year's. Uh, they and then somebody sent a picture from the 262. This is what we did two years ago with our Christmas tree at the campground, and uh, it looks, as you described it, Kyle, just a huge inferno. I've never burned a Christmas tree, but judging by this picture in your description... It yeah, is, it takes,
2: uh, oh gosh, maybe not even a full minute for it to just be completely ablaze. Uh, yeah, it, it takes literally nine, like 10 seconds. It's crazy.
1: Is it like that scene in uh, Christmas Vacation where the tree just and it's gone? You know, it's, I mean,
2: it is kind of a funny thing to reference, but many fire departments departments will do this, like to remind people to water your Christmas tree if you have yes. a real one, because they show you how quickly it lights up. I mean, it's, it's literally like five, ten seconds of them, you know, I mean, they use a flamethrower to start it on fire, but it, I mean, it, it stays ablaze within seconds. Um, but that's literally how it, how it is. You light a match and it starts, and then within, you know, five, 10, 15 seconds, all of it is completely on fire.
1: I think I may have to drive around and if somebody's got their tree on the curb just <laughs> drag it leave it back here till it dries out and try this in the summer. Yeah, But I, knowing my luck I'll set the deck on fire, I'll set the house <laughs> on fire, the neighbors on fire, myself on fire.
2: Yes, safety first. But yeah, hide it behind the garage and save it for a fun summer day.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, so another one, a uh, fragrant bonfire in the late spring. So we cut up uh, we cut up the tree about 1 to 2 weeks after New Year's and look forward to the fragrant bonfire. All right, I'm gonna. I, if it's on the curb, it's not stealing, right? If somebody's thrown out their tree, I'm not gonna get uh, not gonna get busted for some sort of grand larceny, am I?
2: I think you're fine. I mean, if I, whenever I'm driving down the street and someone leaves something on the curb, that's free for the taking, as far as I'm concerned.
1: That's what I figure. I mean, we I was helping my mom clear out some stuff, and we put stuff on the curb, hoping that people would come and take it, and they did. So. All right. If somebody's tree is, I'm going to have to do that. I'm going to have to grab a tree, and now it's got to it's got to dry for a few months, right?
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of like the fire department's warning. I mean, if you don't even if you get it early December and you don't yeah. water it once throughout the month, it can light up like tinder. Uh, so, Perfect. really, I mean, just a couple weeks. I mean, if you get it now, it'll be ready for you by February, I imagine. <laughs>
1: That's it. I could have a Valentine's Day bonfire, honey. This stolen Christmas tree is going to be your Valentine's gift. I'm going to set it on fire. She'll love it. She's going to uh, donate to clubs. Then use that use in lake roads. Oh, I know you can do that too. All right, Jennifer Aniston is in trouble. What did Jennifer, What did America's sweetheart do that could possibly get her in trouble? I don't. I didn't know there was anything. I thought she was above reproach, but apparently she is. Uh, she is not. Now, in the past, Jennifer Aniston has been very diligent about telling people to wear masks and be careful and to protect themselves from the coronavirus, but she had the audacity to post a picture of a Christmas ornament that she hung on her tree that uh, said, Our First Pandemic. And people went nuts. Because on on social media, that's what you're supposed to do. You're just supposed to go nuts. There's no room for rational conversation. It's just people having little conniptions. So she shared a photo of a wood-carved ornament with her 36 million Instagram followers. Wow, that's a lot. Um, Some fans pointed out that the ornament trivializes the tremendous amount of loss and pain, as well as unprecedented challenges. It's a Christmas ornament, friends. Again, it just says, Our first pandemic 2020. Other users said... uh, We're very sarcastic. Cheers to our first pandemic where millions of people died. Let's celebrate that on a Christmas ornament. All right. Can we we just look at this for a minute and take a step back and relax? It is a Christmas ornament commemorating the pandemic. If you have been looking at any sort of uh, websites or stores, there's all kinds of Christmas ornaments based on the pandemic whether it's toilet paper or hand sanitizer. I bought one that looks like an old-fashioned Santa head, and he's wearing a mask. Now, does that mean that I am trivializing the pandemic? Trivializing? Why can't I say trivializing? Uh, The loss of life or the struggles that everybody's going through, my own house included? No. It's a way to just remember... What a crazy, crazy year and a crazy time we're going through. Now, some people did jump to her defense on Twitter, saying uh, that she was simply using the ornament to reflect on a memorable year in her life. Yes. So, is she being disrespectful? Does Jennifer Aniston deserve our scorn? <laughs> i, I got to tell you, Kyle, that's a sentence I never thought I would say on the radio. Does Jennifer Addison deserve our scorn? Uh, my answer is no. But at what point can we can we say, all right, listen, relax? We all know how bad this has been. We all know things are awful, but we've got to we've got to embrace it a little bit. And if you can't find anything to laugh or smile about, then you're really in a bad, bad place. I look at this ornament on our tree with the little ma- with the mask on Santa and it makes me smile. Does that mean I'm happy about the pandemic? Absolutely not. Does that mean I'm glad Santa has to wear a mask? No, I wish none of us had to wear a mask. But we do, and so we are. But to she paid $5 for this ornament on an Etsy shop. Uh it's just a little piece of wood just in you know, got, like somebody had a little wood burning kit. Remember those from when you were a kid? The ones that were heat up and even that little bit of cork that you tried to hold on to the uh, wood-burning pen with wasn't enough to insulate you, and you'd burn your hand, or you'd burn your brother, you'd burn whatever whatever was there. But that's all this was. Just a little ornament. But it goes to show that no matter how quote-unquote beloved someone is, there are always a number of people who are just looking to take them down and just go after them. So... You know, I, w- I was going to actually buy a couple more. I saw a really fun Dr. Fauci ornament that I thought would be nice, but then I was like, eh, the Santa with the mask makes more sense. That's easily identifiable, easily recognizable for what this year represented. And, you know, in two years, five years, maybe hopefully even next year, when we hang that on the tree, we'll be able to just say, you know what? This was lovely. This was, uh, it was a lovely reminder of a horrible year. All right, let's take a quick break. I want to hear from you, and then tell me if you want to share. Are we all just, is everybody just overreacting? I think so. 855-616-1620. And then Kentucky Fried Chicken is trying to make your gaming experience so much more enjoyable. I'll explain. WTMJ. We were talking about Jennifer Aniston, America's sweetheart, getting in trouble uh, on social media because she shared a picture of an ornament that said, our first pandemic 2020, oh, some people went crazy. Uh, A lot of response here on the uh, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talking Text Line. From the 262, come on, people, relax already. Uh, Another 262, everything uh, you were saying is absolutely correct. Well, that's that's a switch. Thank you very much for that. Uh, People need to get a life. Uh, Another text, that's because we live in a society now where people are looking for stuff to be offended by. There's nothing wrong with what she did. And from the 9 to 0 she's fine. There were tons of Christmas cards this year uh, that were pandemic-related. In memory of Pandemic 2020, I bought uh, and gave one to each of my adult children to remember this horrible year. I also told them to hang on to the cards and not throw them out after Christmas. They were fine with that. Uh, and then back to the burning the Christmas trees that we were talking about. Lutheran churches burn their Christmas trees on the Epiphany. It symbolizes that Christ brings light into the world. So we're learning a lot about burning Christmas trees today, which is exciting. Um, all right. On the other side of the news, we are going to uh, we're going to talk to Piet Levy from the Journal Sentinel. Part of the coronavirus stimulus package that came out uh, that was signed last night is to help independent music venues. It's been a tough year for that. We're going to get updated on all of that from Piet. And then uh, I mentioned that KFC it wants to make your gaming a little more enjoyable. We'll get to that as well. So a lot to talk about in the final hour, which we'll do after the news, which comes your way after this on WTMJ.
0: Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, in for Jeff Wagner, here is your host,
1: Brian Noonan. I know I'm not breaking any new ground when I say that uh, in many ways this year has sucked. Uh, If you are a musician, if you own a music venue, this, uh, this year has hit you very, very hard. There have been a lot of... Venues that have been going under. There's been calls for help. Some of that help is on the way. Piet Levy is the music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Has a great piece in the paper today uh, about what this all means. And he joins us now on WTMJ. Piet, thanks for uh, taking some time today. I appreciate it.
6: Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate that. All
1: right, so let's let's start with the bad news. We know these last ten months have been awful for live music, from Summerfest down to the smallest venue. How? How bad has it hit the Milwaukee area?
6: Uh, Awful. I mean, I I don't even know if awful can really describe it, but it's really been like the worst 10 months for the live music industry, which was a a booming industry, especially in Milwaukee, kind of leading up to this. Uh, Just to kind of break down some numbers, I mean, Summerfest reported like a $10 million loss. Pfizer Forum, they made uh, almost $30 million less at the box office this year compared to last year because tours all shut down in March. Right. and then you kind of break it down to small, smaller venues too pap cedar group they made 26 million last year this year they've refunded you know nearly two million in ticket sales uh and have lost hundreds of thousands of dollars every month you can't have concerts when you have this pandemic raging like it is so it's been very very devastating uh for the industry in milwaukee and around the world
1: well now in uh, in october the governor signed a uh, $16.7 million grant program. And then in this newest coronavirus uh, stimulus bill, relief bill that the president signed yesterday, there is another $15 billion that has been reserved for a grant program for live entertainment venues. How did this come about? Because I know since this started, uh, there has been calls for some sort of help. And now it appears that some help is at least on the way.
6: Yeah, this has been definitely a bright light for venues after such a difficult year. Uh, in April, there was an organization that was formed when it, it looked like the industry was going to be shut down for a while, and that group was called the National Independent Venue Association. Just formed in April, one of the co-founders actually is in Milwaukee, uh, Gary Witt. He's the CEO of the PAP Theater Group. And their mission was to try to convince Congress to provide financial aid to independent music venues. This is the first time that that organization like this had ever formed, first time they ever asked for federal relief money. But they really needed it, and they're really pushing not only what this means from a cultural perspective and for their own business, but what it means for uh, revenue in their cities. You know how it impacts money spent at other businesses in their cities. So there's been a kind of a long campaign where they got uh, you know uh, congressmen on on both sides of the aisle to write letters. They got 600 major artists to write letters. They had a big email campaign, a music festival on YouTube, all these kinds of things um, that ultimately led to. This $15 billion program uh, at Congress and then also the $16.7 uh, $1. million program that uh, Governor uh, Evers had approved as well uh, to basically just help them because they haven't had any money. They've had very right. little revenue and, and those costs keep coming up. They still have to pay bills. So this kind of gives these venues who had, uh, by and large, it said they probably couldn't make it without any sort of relief. It gives them a chance to survive uh, until the point that live music can come back.
1: So what are they? Uh, what's the process for them to go through? I know uh, in your piece today you said a uh, hundred a hundred venues have already gotten uh, gotten the grants. But what do they have to go through to get there? And is there some sort of um, threshold where so big big companies like uh, I don't know Jam or whoever whoever these big promoters are they excluded from this? Is this just for independent uh, venues?
6: Yeah. So, well, first of all, the the, the hundred people you mentioned that was for the the state program. So the governor did announce the state program in October, and in uh, you know this month, um, those hundred different kind of parties, at least a hundred parties, were were told what kind of grant amounts they would get before the end of the year, and that's money that came from the CARES Act that passed in the spring. That was kind of you know given to the state, and fifteen you know so I'm sorry, sixteen point seven million was pushed aside for this program for promoters and live entertainment venues. Um, Now what's going to happen with what's happening with with Congress is this $15 billion grant program, uh, how that'll work is that those that apply who are eligible, they'll be able to get like 45% of their uh, 2019 gross revenue with a cap of $10 million. Uh, And those that lost more than 90% of the revenue this year uh, will get priority access for review and for distribution. And they're going to get, and the, the bill sets aside two billion specifically for really small businesses, businesses mm-hmm. with fewer than fifty employees. But also has language in there that prevents like a, a big corporation like Live Nation from trying to get some grants for their venues. Um, Live Nation was able to get money through the state program uh, for Alpine Valley Music Theater in East Troy. So through that they were able to get some money there. But in terms of what's coming from on the federal level, they're not going to be able to get any money from this relief bill.
1: Well, that's—I mean—that—that that was one of the complaints with other parts of uh, the various bills that have uh, been passed before, or that came out in the spring. That companies that didn't really need it were getting all this money. So it's—I uh, think it's very important that they are really starting to uh, to focus this. And these, as you said, these little venues are not—you uh, know—they're in t- trouble. Six of six uh, venues in Milwaukee alone have closed for good, right?
6: Yeah, six have closed permanently. Uh, Fire and Water, the Underground Collaborative, Up and Under, River West Public House Cooperative, Walker's Point Music Hall, and Captain Paps Pilot House. I mean, all those places had live music and really relied on live music to drive people in. But but again, you can't really have people getting together when this right. when this pandemic is going on. I mean, I spoke uh, in this story at JS Online. I spoke to Scott Leslie. He's the co-president of FPC Live. Uh, they're based in Mass and they're one of the largest concert promoters in the world and, and Live Nation does have a majority stake in them, but they are still an independent company. But he made a, a strong case that, you know, the live entertainment business, out of all the businesses, it's probably the worst that's been affected by this pandemic because, you know, restaurants can still do some carryout orders. I mean, they've obviously been devastating for restaurants, but they can still do something with carryout orders or with uh, sports leagues. You know, uh, the the Bucks can still play. Even if they're not playing with an audience live there, they still get deals, you know, TV deal revenue. Um, So there's still other ways to make money. And for for live entertainment venues, uh, there's not really many options. You can kind of push merch or the Ray, for instance, has been like auctioning off posters. Um, You can do live stream concerts, but there's a lot of live stream concerts out there and they're not really making a lot of money for people to kind of sit uh, on their computer and watch a live stream show. Um, so there's just not really much of a way for them to make money. That's why these bills, these grants through these two different bills, are so important.
1: Uh, Pia Levy is my guest. We're talking music and the future of the live music industry uh, based on the fact that the part of the relief package was uh, $15 billion reserved for grant programs for live entertainment. Let's talk about what, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, how the music industry has been trying to negotiate, and where you think it's going to go as we get into the spring, the summer, and the fall. We'll do all of that. And if you have any questions, uh, 855-616-1620, the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It's WTMJ.
6: This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ.
1: Brian Newton in for Jeff, and we're talking live music. I know we haven't really been able to see any uh, for the last 10 months, Piet Levy is the music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Great piece today, uh, jsonline.com. Wisconsin venues get a lifeline, but the question, questions remain about live music's return. And Piet, that's what I, I want to talk to you about. Now, granted, this is all, you know, theorizing. But let's look. How did the, th- we saw a number of parking lot concerts throughout the, uh, the summer and fall. How did those go, and do you think they're going to continue as we go? I mean, it's hard to be outside in this kind of weather.
6: Yeah, it's hard to be outside right now, so I don't think we're going to see much of anything for a bit. There were some of those. You saw some of them you know, nationally. In, in Milwaukee, for instance, there's kind of a bigger one with the uh, Christian Act for King and Country. That was at the State Fair Park in September. Uh, obviously, right now there's the, the since then the crisis in Wisconsin has gotten much worse, including the field hospital there. Uh, mm-hmm. And then there was a you know a series of shows in Grafton as well uh, this summer that had some noted names. Um, you know, I, I, generally you heard this is kind of like a stopgap measure that some people in the industry did. There's not a ton of money to be involved in it, but there's a little bit of money, a little bit of work, and that's kind of why it's it's happened, and been able to continue. Uh, but we didn't see a whole lot of it in Wisconsin. I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of it, um, at least not right now in the winter. But and we might see some stuff in the spring. But for my story uh, at JS Online, I talked to some folks who weren't terribly optimistic that there would be like you know just a ton of like drive-in shows. We're just you know, logistically, financially, they're they're pretty tough to put on.
1: Now let's let's talk about some of the bigger shows that we know that you know once March happened, there were a lot of big concerts that were scheduled for town. A lot of those got rescheduled for early spring. The way things are going, that prob those probably aren't going to happen again. They'd have to be rescheduled, don't you think?
6: I think so. Yeah, that hasn't been officially announced, but basically, what you're hearing from people in the industry that I talked to for my story, and then people have just been saying in general in the industry, if you've read other uh, articles on this, is that uh, the hope is that by summer, uh, you know, the, the president of Live Nations, for instance, did a CNBC interview, saying that by the summer, their hope is that. You know, outdoor concerts can kind of be back to scale to some degree in the United States. Uh, outdoor amphitheater shows, maybe festivals, things like that. I mean, the, the public's not going to really be able to get access to the vaccine, the general public, until right. April is what, you know, people have been saying. And then it's going to take some time for uh, that herd immunity to ramp up. Um, Anthony Fauci's talked about, like, hoping for kind of a 75 to 85% vaccination rate um, to try to achieve that. So it's just, it's it's, it's a big question mark still. But the hope in the industry is that by summer, you know, since the the coronavirus is not as as great of a concern, although it's still a concern in crowds, but not as great of a concern outside versus inside, is that there can be some outdoor concerts kind of start to come back this summer. Um, So yeah, in Milwaukee, you know, there's a Michael Buble show scheduled for Pfizer Forum in February that hasn't been announced to be canceled and postponed, but almost certainly will. And it's really hard to imagine that Kenny Chesney Who had rescheduled like a big uh, baseball park bash? miller park going to be American Family Field next year. That's scheduled for early May with Florida Georgia Line. That's very unlikely to happen then. I think I'll probably get canceled or or thrown down the line.
1: Well, somebody texted in, and this was going to be my question too. First time in fifty three years, Summerfest canceled last year. Looking ahead, and again, we're just the texter just wanted your opinion. What do you think? Do you think Summerfest is going to happen? From your sources, the people you've talked to, is there an inkling, or is it one of those things that, again, because there's so much we don't know, it's still up in the air?
6: I think it's still up in the air. I, I think uh, right now it's officially scheduled to take place across three consecutive three-day weekends, beginning June 24. So they were going to change their model. Uh, it was, you know, as people know, it's been 11 days, basically, right around the fourth of July. This coming year is going to be just nine days. Thursdays through Saturdays, they moved uh, eight of their amphitheater shows that were scheduled for 2020 to 2021. So eight of them have moved. One of them canceled, but eight of them moved, and there's one to still fill. Um, So that's what they're at right now. And and I spoke to the CEO of Milwaukee World Festival, the Overseas Summer Fest, on Smiley. In October, he had told me they're all going for June until they can't. Uh, and so, and, and, you know, there've been like some announcements for summer festivals still happening in the States and and in Europe and stuff. So, you know, people are still proceeding, like they will happen, but I think it's still very much a big question mark. I think it's going to just really depend on how the vaccinations go and, um, what's going to kind of be possible, you know, in order to get people together again, even if they're together. In an amphitheater together outdoors. Um, now, Smiley also told me that they do have contingency plans in place, which I've got to believe. I, yeah. You know, I'm sure if they can't do it in June, I wouldn't be surprised if they do what they were going to do this year. Initially, they had postponed it. They, they announced the postponement to September right. 2020 when the June um, and July dates looked, un, you know, impossible. Uh, and then, of course, the September dates got canceled too. Uh, the hope by the industry is that. You know if people really can start taking this and get to the vaccine in april and, and enough people get it that by fall we can kind of start to get back to normal to some degree and and so if summer fest can't happen in june i, I imagine that's the hope there at Milwaukee World festival is that they can still do some sort of summer fest uh in september
1: have you in your talks with fpc and everybody else are are they having trouble booking acts or are are uh, you know, are they being cautious about scheduling and then having to reschedule and not take Is there any of that going on in the industry?
6: Yeah, I mean, there's some acts who are willing to try it. You know, it's a long time to be away from the road. Touring is the main source of revenue, and not just for artists, but also for their crews. I mean, you know, they really rely on that money, too. So, uh, and a lot of crews kind of have been working with certain artists for you know much of their careers or, you know, ages. So, I think a lot of artists do want to get back out there uh just to to make some money um and there's definitely some artists who are in the position that they can kind of wait uh when elton john for instance he was supposed to play in uh this past april he postponed until april 2022. so i think you'll see a lot of kind of bigger artists like that that will probably push it pretty far off into 2022 um, some have just canceled tours entirely like Billie Eilish recently announced canceling her whole tour or Marion Morris. So I, I think it's going to depend on the kind of the artists and what they are willing to do, uh, what they're willing to kind of try and, and risk. Um, but uh, talking to FPC live, talking to the PAP Cedar group, um, Pfizer form, they're holding dates for the fall. I mean, the, the hope is that in the industry is that in the fall, if enough people get the vaccine, they can start to get back to normal and, and, and really try to make up for that lost time with, more concerts in the fall, and then the expectation at this point is that 2022 will be a, a massive year. That's the hope in the industry.
1: Well, let's keep uh, let's keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully some of this uh, $15 will we'll get to some of the local venues and help them out, and uh, we'll see what happens. It's always a pleasure. People should go and read this piece at uh, jsonline.com. It is uh, very informative, and uh, we only touched on pieces of it. There's a lot of information there, so uh, go and read that. It always great to talk to you. Happy New Year. We'll talk to you again very soon. Thanks a lot, Brian. Happy New Year. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Take care. All right, uh, let's do this. And there's more. It's WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Well, I hope uh, some of that money for the independent music venues uh, gets to town. That is, uh, were you supposed to go, are you a big music guy, Kyle? Do you go to a lot of shows?
2: Uh, when we're able to. I know my wife and I, usually whenever we give birthday gifts or Christmas gifts or anything like that, that's always the priority, giving some sort of tickets to a concert or some an event that we can go to.
1: Yeah, I like the, I like those experience gifts, too. I've, have you done any of these virtual uh, virtual shows? Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: mostly for the small bands, uh, like bands that our friends are in or stuff yeah. like that, small touring groups. Um, I liked the idea, I think it was the Foo Fighters. I don't know if anybody else really did this, but the Foo Fighters literally went into a concert hall, had HD cameras, the full sound uh, uh, setup and everything, and then they live-streamed that, but it was you know, almost like a, like a high-quality concert streaming more than somebody yeah. filming it on their iPad.
1: And it's, you know what, it's, it's nice to a certain extent, but then it really makes you miss what we can't have. So hopefully by the summer, and at least by next fall, we can start going to clubs again and go into, uh, going to concerts and doing all that. But now the thought of being in a place with, you know, 30,000 people, <laughs> gets me a little bit nervous. Uh, we'll have a little fun with language and slang on the other side. If you are uh, someone who grew up in the 70s, You may uh, recognize some of these slang terms, and uh, we'll talk all about that and a whole lot of other stuff in the final half hour of the broadcast. But now, at 2.30, we have to go to the WTMJ 24-hour newsroom. That's where Rusty Melberg is. Jeff
0: Wagner on WTMJ. (laughs)
1: It's Brian Noonan in for Jeff. I'll be with you until uh, well through Thursday. Let's we'll just put it that way. I'll be here tomorrow. That's really that's not plan that far in advance. Let's just I'll be here tomorrow, and uh, I'm here till three. That's it. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, Kyle. That's probably sane uh, thinking in this business. You never know. Am I correct?
2: Yeah, I'd say so.
1: <laughs> I'm here till three, and after that we'll see what happens. We'll just, we'll play it by ear. I'm planning on being here tomorrow, but. Who, who really knows? You know, there's weather coming in tomorrow night. I might panic. Who knows? Uh, as, a, as someone who grew up in the 70s, um, I have fond memories for certain things. Some of the slang that came from there uh, I embraced. Some I did not. I, I always like talking about language and talking about words and the way that we use them and words that come and go. And so that's kind of what we're going to revisit for a minute here because there was a, uh, a list that I found of twenty slang terms that every seventies kid will remember, so I want I want to hear your sl- slang terms that you still use, that you uh, enjoyed, that you always have enjoyed. And as we go through this, some of this list, there are some that I remember quite quite clearly. Some I don't remember at all. So I'm wondering if they're regional or not. Um, you know, a lot of stuff in the seventies probably not uh, not best to remember. Disco being one of them for me. However. Uh, we were talking about music before. Kyle, have you seen that documentary on the Bee Gees on HBO?
2: No, I've been uh, hearing good things, though. i got a buddy that's uh, really a big fan of like Tom Jones and the Bee Gees and that kind of uh, genre of music, and he loved it. He suggested it, but I, I haven't gotten around to it yet.
1: If you get around to it, don't miss it. I, I knew the Bee Gees, obviously, from Saturday Night Fever. I did not realize the breadth and scope of their career and their influence, it was really, really good. So uh, that, and it covers, it covers that disco era and it covers the backlash, but everything before that was amazing. So if you, if you get a chance, there's my holiday uh, pick to click. Watch that. How do you mend a broken heart? The Bee Gees documentary. It's really, really good. All right. So that we'll, we'll forget disco. uh, We'll forget some of the wide lapels. Uh, a lot of that kind of stuff, well, you know. We'll keep Star Wars and some other things from the seventies. But here are some of the slang terms that were big in the seventies that you may or may not have used. Uh, I I remember using this: "Would take a chill pill." You got to take a chill pill. Hey, you know, people get all uh, rev. Now we just tell people to relax, uh, calm down, slow their roll. But uh, in the seventies, you had to take a chill pill. Uh, the skinny. When you want to know the whole truth and nothing but the truth, you ask for the skinny. Uh, I kind of remember this, but that was more of a something that you'd see on a TV show. People want to know the skinny. What's the skinny? Can you give me the skinny on that? I don't remember using that one at all in my real life. And I know this is not earth-shattering uh, information, but sometimes you just gotta you gotta roll back and say, listen. Wh- Can't talk about COVID and politics all the time. We got to uh, catch the conversation on the flip side. Catch you on the flip side is something I remember for a short period of time. Hearing people say, hearing friends of mine say, uh, the other side of today is tomorrow. So catch you on the flip side means to see you again tomorrow. Um, They says for more out of date slang uh, terms for well, we're not going to get into the boogie down. All right, unless you were unless you were at a disco. You weren't t- telling anybody to boogie down. Psych. Now, see, psych. I think came later. Psych was an eighties term. When something is presented, then taken away, a taunting word for a jovial denial. Like, oh, you want a piece of gum, sir? Here you go. Psych. Was that in? That was in eighties. Right. That 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 seems too long. Brick house. Now, unless you're mighty mighty and letting it all hang out, uh, it's one song that, you know, said the ladies were a brick house. But I don't remember that being on the uh, on the street that we'd be talking about as we rolled around. Stop dipping in my Kool-Aid. Any idea? Any idea what that means? It means you mind your own business. So what do we say now? I don't know what we say now. I just tell people to mind their own business. I don't know why it's Kool-Aid. When somebody is up in your business and they won't leave you alone, tell them to stop dipping in your Kool-Aid. Your Kool-Aid is your business, and the dipper is the person who won't leave you alone. In case that was too hard, the two six two says the bee's knees. The bee's knees. That's I think that was uh, older than the '70s, don't you? That's like the '40s. You know, when you were out jitterbugging, you were the bee's knees. I still I still know that term though, and I'll still ironically throw it out every once in a while. Jeff and Fox point. My favorite slang term is hopper. For a toilet, even though I have no idea where it came from, I have never heard that. Have you ever heard that, Kyle? Hopper for toilet? Not me. All right, I've lost my. Uh, I've lost my call screen. Just to uh, keep you updated, Kyle. So when we take a break, I'll. Uh, I'll get it redone, so I won't be able to see if anybody's on there. Um, let's get back to a couple of these. What a fry! This see, this is one that I never heard. I think sometimes I read these things, I find them on the on the web, and I go, this is no. This is somebody's just making this up. If someone is acting unusual or wacky, you could accuse them of being a fry. Which makes no sense. Oh, from the 920, why you trippin'? That's now see, was that the 70s or was that the eighties? The night it's always. Why you tripping? Why you're tripping? Oh, Matt and Kenosha coming back with a uh, coming back with a welcome back Cotter one up your nose with a rubber hose. Yes, I that one I remember again from Welcome Back Cotter. Uh, they would tell everybody up your nose with a rubber hose, and from the four one four right on that almost goes with keep on trucking, doesn't it? Right on, keep on trucking. Uh, the man I still call, I still use the man. You know when you're talking about the man with his boot on your neck, the man keeping you down. The man telling you what to do. Uh, Jim is in Waterford. Hi, Jim. Hey, how's it going? It's going all right.
3: All right, uh, slap me some skin.
1: (laughs) Slap me some skin. I remember slap me some skin and slide me some skin.
3: Slide me some skin.
1: I remember one
3: from the West Coast because I was born in California. Yeah. Did you see a, a nice girl, blonde girl, walking down the street? Hey, Blondie, drop your laundry.
1: <laughs> I haven't heard I that, one. Know that one. That's going to get you in a lot of trouble yeah, nowadays, Jim. We can't, we can't be, oh, man, we I can't know, be Not at all. Not at all. Jim, thanks for <laughs> the call. Right, you guys have- thanks, you too. All right, we'll do a couple more of these. If you want to chime in with your favorite slang terms, jump on in. 855-616-1620. It's the AccuDot Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is WTMJ.
0: Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're
1: talking some '70s slang. Brian Noonan in for Jeff 855-616-1620. The AccuNet Mortgage Talking Text Line. Some text coming in uh, with uh, people's favorite slang. Uh, right on, coming from the four. Right on, right on has transcended time. People still say right on occasionally, but you rarely hear people say groovy. Uh, I remember in the late 70s, one of the, one of the terms was boss. Everything was boss, which meant good. And then it's funny, when those terms go out of style and people still hang on to them, they seem so strange, don't they? Uh, a buddy of mine, people hadn't said boss for years, but he was still saying boss. And we would just look at him and go, dude, nobody says that anymore. Nobody says that anymore. I'm wondering if people say this from the 262, just scored some stash. Unless you're listening to Cheech and Chong albums, is anybody scoring some stash? <laughs> I, that's another one I've never heard. Never. Now, this is what my wife will still say from the 262, cool beans. I don't know. I never knew what the cool beans meant, but uh, she, she will say that every once in a while. Not too often. Uh, back to this list, do me a solid, which is a favor bogue see I didn't hear bogue but every everything was bogus bogus was the slang term not bogue that's uh you know all right now this is one I have never heard and I wonder if any of you have heard it uh, Stella it's a slang was meant as an insult to disco dancers calling them Stella means you think they're arrogant and full of themselves uh, unless their name really is Stella then your insult is just a friendly hello uh, from the 815, I remember in my high school, my high school boyfriend saying, bite me uh, if uh, someone said something he didn't like. Oh, yeah, bite me is, uh, "bite me" has been around for a long time. Can you dig it from the 262? Sure, especially after watching the Warriors when they would, uh, Cyrus, can you dig it? There's a little, there's an odd film reference for three people, if that many. good buddy, sure that was when the CB craze was all about it. Another one, now somebody said the up your nose with a rubber hose. Somebody texted that in before, uh, and that was from Welcome Back, Cotter. But the Fonz and Happy Days had a big one. Uh, Sit on it. I find myself still saying, and this is so dumb, um, what I say, every once in a while my wife will say something that is not funny. Uh, And I will say, funny as a crutch, Rich, which is another one that came out of Happy Days. And I I don't remember saying sit on it, but I don't know why to this day, as a man in his 50s, I will still say, funny as a crutch, Rich. And my wife said, what what does that mean? A crutch isn't funny. Much like your joke was not funny. Hence, funny as a crutch. Uh, From the 920, it's keen. Man, throw Peachy in front of that, maybe you got me. If it's peachy keen, I'm down. Just keen? No, I'm going to pass on that. Um, when you're answering the phone from the two six two, said it's your dime. And I've heard people say that it's your dime. Uh, cool beans made the list. I was uh, mentioned it. My uh, mentioned my wife still says that. That made the list. It was also texted in. Space cadet calling somebody a space cadet, which now is probably a promotion with Space Force. Everybody's going to want to be a space cadet. It's very exciting uh, telling somebody they're out to lunch uh, later days I remember saying that when you're leaving instead of just saying later or see you later, just later days because then you're uh, you know you're in the cast of dazed and confused. Um, <laughs> these are cracking me up as I see these because I, I either said them or heard people saying them from the 262 totally radical um, think. My 30s kids didn't know that. Oh, that someone is a rat fink? Sure, okay, from the 414. Uh, 262, I'm hip. Yes, you are, 262. Um, My daughter's age 15, that slaps. Now, see this, I know young people will not know any of these terms. I don't, like if you would, I could have probably figured it out from the 920 if you said that slaps. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, I hear my daughter, who's 24, Use some slang terms, and I have absolutely no idea what she's talking about. But a lot of sometimes, if you if you take your time and really deconstruct it, you can figure it out. But who has time to deconstruct that stuff? Just talk to me in terms that I can understand. Because uh, <laughs> let's blow up the cheese, which means leave, or let's blow this pop stand. That one we used all the time uh, from the '30s. Everyone said "swell." That's from the two six two. Sure, that's swell. So there, there you go. That was fun. Thank you for uh, thank you for your favorite slang terms. Uh, from the 262, I'm digging it. Of course you are. Of course you are. Who wouldn't be digging it? Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. You can keep sending them in. We'll, we'll try to throw them in before the end of the show. Uh, here's a little feel-good for you before we take this break. Uh, you know, we've been talking throughout this pandemic about people in nursing homes, how they're not only getting sick at a, uh, an alarming rate, but also how they're suffering because A lot of times in these facilities they can't have any visitors they can't talk to their families and they also can't get any physical contact and a nursing home in texas one of the one of the people who works there was saying she had been talking to somebody early in the pandemic one of the residents at the home this is in webster texas outside of houston and the woman said to her the thing i miss the most is a hug you know from my family or or from my friends so this woman got some gloves and hugged her and then she'd been thinking about this and thinking about this and a couple months ago she said to some friends of hers we got to we've got to build something we've got to figure something out so she went to a boy scout troop and you you know what when you need help, you go to the Boy Scouts. They're prepared. That's what you say. So 17-year-old McCain Penrod decided he was going to take on this project. And for nearly a month, with the help of his dad and fellow Boy Scouts and friends, he tried to build uh, some different things using various decide designs. Then he came up with three wooden booths. Each booth features a plexiglass window so that the loved ones can share... Uh, can see each other, and two large sanitized gloves for the senior residents to put their hands through and hug family members. That's right. He created a hug booth for nursing home visits. so now the the, the video of it was great. You know there was a res- there's a resident on one side, and it's almost like if you've ever seen in a, uh, in a hospital lab or in the boy in the Plastic Bubble movie where they stick their arms through the holes in the wall into these really long gloves. Almost like you'd use, I guess, for inseminating a cow or something. I don't know why that uh, came into my head, but that's that's what I pictured with these long gloves. And so that way, they can hug. And they get a little physical contact. Uh, the day before Thanksgiving, he delivered the booths to the facility. And since then, according to sources, everything has completely changed for the nursing home residents. Uh, they said they were shocked to see how well the des- they had designed the booths. And uh, the woman said, I immediately saw an enormous difference. Some residents who were normally active had become withdrawn when they stopped seeing their family members. Most of our residents have dementia, and they were just confused why their children had stopped coming to see them. Uh, they declined emotionally, but the hug booths came in, and they could finally see them and hold their hands. And now they're finally doing activities again. So that is that is terrific. That is uh, that is great. So good for it's it's nice when a teenager can do something productive, because all we hear is uh, you know. How teenagers slack and now they're just uh, goofy. So this was nice that the Boy Scouts and uh, this one young man led the charge. So there you go, a little feel good. Why not? We have enough bad news, throw in a nice good news story. Let's do this, then we'll find out what's going on on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. It's WTMJ.